Welcome to Soul Talk, soulful conversations exploring who you are, why you're here, and how to live your most authentic life. My name is Coop Blackson, nationally best-selling author of You Are The One, transformational teacher, and your host. I invite you to subscribe to the Soul Talk podcast for weekly inspiration from me, where I will share with you some powerful ideas, thoughts, and practical life wisdom to help you live life more fully, freeing yourself from your past, reclaiming your power, and living your true life's purpose. You can also go to www.coopblackson.com, enter your name and email to download my free two-part video training series and learn the ultimate secrets to happiness and fulfillment. Let's get started with Soul Talk. Welcome back, folks, to another very special episode of the Soul Talk podcast. I am really excited about my upcoming guest today. Uh, I consider him a soul brother. Uh, He's one of those... I've actually known this guy kind of in passing for over a decade now and we never really like deeply connected until we bumped into each other uh at the airport in transit on the way to bali he was going to bali to do an event i was going to <laughs> bali to do my boundless bliss and there he was you know with his with his beautiful girlfriend and i was like bro i haven't seen you in a decade and so it felt like a divine moment of two brothers coming together i'm really excited about bringing him, him on because he is the first a poet, official, you know, poet that we have had on. He's a national mm. poetry slam champion, award-winning poet, multi-platinum songwriter. I mean, uh, he was uh, 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 named one of Oprah's Super Soul 100 Most Influential Thought Leaders, uh, one of the first, check this, one of the first spoken word artists to perform with Cirque du Soleil. I mean, folks, the list goes on and on and on. He has a new book that's coming out or out as we speak called Inquire Within, uh, you may have heard of his, of his songs that he's written with Selena Gomez and Mike Posner and on and on, uh, my dear friend, Inq. Welcome, bro. Thank you, Kud. I so appreciate you having me, man. And that was a divine moment when we saw each other at the, uh, the airport <laughs> in transit. It was late at night, too, and we were both exhausted and, you know, and we looked at each other and we went, hey, you know, and, and hey, then I, we, I know, we were I know able you. To, Exactly. And we were finally able to spend time because we, as you said, had been in and out of each other's circles, but never actually like yeah. dropped in. And and it was great to drop in with you. And then we got to spend some time in Bali and you connected me and my girlfriend with amazing healers and a really, really special experience. So I, I appreciate awesome. you I, and wanting to acknowledge that out loud as well as we start. Um, it was awesome, brother. And I've just been excited to have you on the show and and just kind of tap into just your gifts and share that with everyone. And, you know, poetry. Okay. Poetry, bro. You know, I'm a wannabe poet, you know, <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's like a wannabe thing. You know, I kind of, kind of make up rap. Like I'm a poet. I know it. I should show it. I've got to glow it. But, you know, I mean, I don't consider myself a professional poet, you know, I mean, you're a pro. I mean, I've seen you, you know, even before you and I connected uh, years ago, I mean, God, I mean, dec- like a decade ago, I've seen you yeah. do your thing. And let me tell you, man, it's, it's flipping, flipping inspiring when I saw you the first time, uh, just, just channeling, downloading, sharing. And, and it, is, it is really a, it's an art form. And so I'm wondering, how the hell does someone become a poet, especially in our world today that is, is not necessarily, is very more linear. There's no training yeah. to be a poet. There's no poetry school. And, you know, I'm wondering how the hell do you even survive in the world as a poet when you see so many, you know, starving artists. And, and so I think that takes such balls and courage and tenacity to pursue that path. And I think, uh, I, I'm, cause I don't really know, like, how, how did you become a poet? Did you always know you want to become a poet? But like, it's usually not something you want to be as a child. You know, it's usually let me be Michael Jordan or let me be a basketball player, football player, something like that. But what a bold move, man. And, uh, how, well, tell me you know, a bit I, I mean, I'm curious. Uh, first of all, I definitely wanted to be Michael Jordan. I mean, that's just uh. <laughs> all I wanted to be was Michael Jordan, you know? Um, and mm. then when I realized I wasn't going to grow, I, I figured I'd make some other uh, professional decisions because NBA was not in my future. Um, and then mm. when I was 13, I guess I fell in love with hip hop and uh, I just loved the mm. self expression of it. Um, and, you know, just 
listened to the music constantly, was freestyling with my friends. Uh, and I would say that was my first form of meditation because when you're freestyling, you literally don't think about anything else but the next word and the next rhyme. So it puts you in the moment. And I think it was an outlet for a lot of the things that were unexpressed for me at the time. Um, the stuff that I was going through that I didn't have another avenue to get out of my system. And then when I was 19 years old, I wound up in an open mic for poets in Los Angeles called the Poetry Lounge. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it's one of the biggest open mics in the country for poetry. I mean, it still gets 250 to 350 people every single week that show up wow. and listen to people sign up on this list, man, and get on stage and share their hearts and their souls. And, you know, that was the first time that I ever saw people being celebrated for their vulnerability, you know. Um, in the same way that if I said a punchline and a freestyle, you know, people would be like, oh, you know, it was an environment where if you said something that was true, you know, people would snap and clap and cheer and they were celebrated for being themselves Mm. and for telling the truth. And I would say some of my most amazing art experiences were as an audience member at the Green White Court Theater, you know, watching the lounge poets. And these people became a family to me, uh, you know, a community to me. And there's no real way that you can teach someone art, you know, or you definitely can't teach someone their voice. You can teach someone the techniques of art, but no one can teach you what your voice is. Your voice comes from experiencing it, you know. And so being in that environment around all of those other poets who were using their voice and getting a chance to experience myself, get on stage, and at first just do my rapping a cappella and to see people responding to it, you know, I just kept coming back, man. And over the years, one day I woke up and realized I was more of a poet than an MC, And that was the beginning of the journey. Mm-hmm. Wow. I'm curious yeah. how you, how do you, like, because it's like, you, you, the, way, the way I feel it, anyway, you, you, know, you come up with these, these expressions of your emotions through words, and it comes through in this creative expression. And what, I mean, so many people feel things, but they're afraid to put it out into the world because they're judging themselves. Like, this is crap. This is shit. This is terrible. You know, so no one's going to yeah. need this. And so h- how do you find the courage? Did you find the courage to just put it out there? And, and I guess, you know, you've got to believe in it somehow, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's something enough to put into the world. And uh, you know what I'm saying? How, how do you... How do you find the, as a poet, man, it still blows my mind. Because it's not like you're writing necessarily like this huge 700-page book. It's just, boom, here's this, this, yeah. this, this paragraph or this thing that, that, is it good? Is it not good? How do you know it's good? I mean, you know, it's just like out of the invisible. So when, how do you trust that it's any good? How do you know that it's any good? Because so many of us don't believe in ourselves, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, there there's two ways to know if something's good. It, one is if you feel like it's true to you and it's honest mm. and it's vulnerable. And then the other is if the audience responds or if the person that you share it with um, says, wow, I can relate to that. That makes me feel less alone. Or I appreciate, mm. you know, the way that you created that specific thing, the style that you used or the voice that you used in expressing it. Um, I Mm -hmm. try to separate those things. So when I sit down to Mm -hmm. write, I'm my first audience member. I'm not really thinking about what other people want to hear or what other people would think is good. Um, I think in doing that, you're kind of strategizing your inspiration. And I think that that's a dangerous Mm -hmm. thing to do as an artist. And I won't say that it's dangerous for other people because, (laughs) you know, everybody creates how they create. It's dangerous for me. I I don't want to be strategizing my inspiration because I think that's one step away from manipulation. And if Mm. I'm manipulating my audience, I'm manipulating myself. Um, I don't want to be creating from that place. I pay attention to the things that inspire me, the things that annoy me, the things that Hmm. move me. And then I start poems from that place. And it's the difference between that and me saying, wow, man, let me look around and what, what is happening socially or politically right now that I think people would respond to? You know, well, that's a manipulation, right? 
it's a manipulation to, mm -hmm. to start from that place. But for me to say, wait, I'm just paying attention. This thing right there, that, that sparks me, you know, that charges me. And if I start the poem from there and I give it enough time and space, the piece will almost write itself. I love that distinction, the, the, the difference between when you just look out into the world and go, what, what would connect and where you're coming from, it, it, it's, it's, you're defining that as manipulation. It's really, it's really interesting. It's a very, it's, it's subtle, but it's not. And uh, I feel that what you're talking about is really connecting to and trusting the deep sort of authentic impulse inside of, inside of you, you know, which is really Thank you. powerful. Um, yeah, I would also say, you know, to, to piggyback mm -hmm. that, um, you know, of course I want to be validated. You know, of course I want people mm -hmm. to like me. Of course I want people to love me. But, I mean, you have to be willing not to be liked in order to truly be loved. You know, I mean, mm -hmm. that's, the risk, that's the risk you take by showing up as your authentic self. Um, because otherwise mm -hmm. they'll love the part of you that you're willing to show them. And that's not yeah. true love. That's not unconditional, you know. So I think there are times, though, you know, when I'm writing where I am the vehicle and the obstacle to the poem. So I'm sitting down huh. and I am the vehicle, obviously, because I have to create the poem from my own experiences, my own thoughts, my own emotions, my own voice, right? But I'm also the obstacle because, you know, I have an ego. And I want, I want to live in abundance. I want people to love this. I want all these things. Mm -hmm. And so it's this razor's edge that you're walking in creation to keep a, both of those things in mind at the same time. So if I reach a point in the piece where I write something that's really great, right, but it's not mm -hmm. right. You know, mm -hmm. there's a difference between something being great and something being right. And sometimes... Something is great. What's the difference? Mm. Well, it's just something you feel, you know, and, and mm. your intuition will tell you if, you if you actually give it enough space. And so you'll mm. say, no, that's more about my ego. And, and maybe this is a better way to say it, but it's too complicated. You know, th there's this mm. other way to say it that is how the poem wants to be expressed that maybe doesn't make mm. me look as good but it gives away the message better. And ultimately, I mm. want to be of service to the message. Um, and so, you know, that's, that's certainly a part of my that. process in creating a product. I love that. How do you get, so, so in that process, in that creative process, how do you get yourself, you know, we'll call it the ego, right? Um, how do you get that out of the way? Is, is there something you've learned to do is there a practice are there practices what 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 is that what is that process of getting yourself out the way that you could share with us that i think would really probably help most people listening even if they're not poets right just even in living life yeah well how, how you create your art is how you live your life because your life is your mm -hmm. greatest art right so there there's a direct mm -hmm. mirror there um, I, I think, first of all, it's awareness, you know, just, as I said, paying attention. And then second of all, it's just the acknowledgement that, like, you're never going to get your ego out of the way. It's a futile, mm. you know, fool's errand. You, you know, your ego is a part of your humanity. I mean, we're living in a physical world. There's no way to ignore that. We all have an identity. If someone tries to take my life, I will defend myself. I mean, you know, to, to not acknowledge the separation in the world that we're living in is not to be in reality. But simultaneously, this reality is not the only reality. There's a spiritual world, too. I mean, you know, as you know very well, everything is, you know, infinite in and infinite out. And it's mostly empty space. You know, we are fucking a sea of consciousness. We're vibrating energy. And, you know, if you don't take that into account, you're not living in reality either. <laughs> so, uh, 
I think it's 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 having a, a strong footing in both worlds simultaneously. And when I know that, and I know that I am a part of the spiritual world and I am a part of the physical world, then I don't fight against my ego. I just pay attention to when it shows up, and I acknowledge it and I honor it. But then I try to navigate from a different place. Mm, I so the relationship with it actually shifts. And uh, I think you've been, bro. I think you've been sneaking into my notes for my the cha- a chapter in a book I've been, reading, <laughs> I've been writing, bro. I think I think you've been checking out my notes because we're we're speaking this very similar language. And uh, yeah, it's interesting because as much as you know, I, I don't consider myself like a pro poet. I, I realize more and more the deeper I go on my spiritual path and and, and my own sort of evolution as a human being, uh, the process of living has become really similar to what you're beginning to describe, you know, and uh, that whole idea of getting oneself out of the way and uh, and embracing the ego, but also realizing you're not the ego and, and, and not getting stuck in one one identity of, 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 of either. You know, I, I have this phrase, where I say, you know, mm. we live in a world of infinitely, infinitely valid but simultaneously contradictory realities inherent in the nature of life. And the real freedom is not in the either or, it's in, it's in the and. And, uh, mm. yeah, I, I think we're in sync. I think we're in sync. That's cool. Was there? Yeah, what, I mean, what, I'm we're, curious. We're definitely go, go very naturally aligned. We, you know, we, we've yeah. always, even when we didn't know that, that, that was very true. And, I mean, you just think about it, man. How many lives have you lived in your life? <laughs> I mean, I've mm-hmm. lived a bunch, man, you know? So mm-hmm. I talk about this in the book, you know, the, the difference between ideas and ideologies. You know, ideas are mm-hmm. tools that you can use in your life that will change as your truth and your experience changes. But ideologies mm-hmm. are prison, basically, that you have to force everything in your reality into the frame of. And when your ideology... Mm-hmm becomes your identity you know i mean it's dangerous man that's why people have such a hard time changing their minds because Mm -hmm. if they let go of the ideology they're letting go of their identity which means a part of them is fucking dying and they'll do anything to keep that part alive you know and i'm talking Mm -hmm. to myself too so it's like Mm-hmm. You know, and then the the joke in the book is that then I, I realized that and I thought, okay, well, then I'm only going to use ideas. And then I realized, well, mm. shit, I just created a new ideology, <laughs> mm. you know? Mm. So it's a, it's a wild ride we're on, man. But, uh, you know, mm-hmm. trying to hold two truths in the same space at the same time, I think helps. Yeah. Yeah. Um. What's the first, I don't know if you remember, but maybe you will, but I was going to say, what's the first poem that you wrote that you felt, if you remember it, or, or one of the first ones that you felt like, wow, that you fell in love with the poem, I mean, maybe fall in love with all of them, I'm, I'm sure, but yeah. the one that just resonated with you even, even more so, that it was just like, wow, there's a connection, something's happening in my soul as an artist, and, and it came out of you, the first time you had that wow moment with your own poetry has that ever happened mm-hmm. yeah i remember a few of a few things that that would answer your question but uh, first of all i would have to say that even though uh my rapping and my poetry are distinctly different and you know mm-hmm. as i moved through different stages of my life i mean i i don't really consider myself an mc <laughs> anymore i mean i'll always be an mc because it's in my cells, mm-hmm. but you know I don't I don't practice that. And I look at the MCs that are around, like Kendrick Lamar and Chance the Rapper and J Cole, and these people are so incredible. I don't put myself in that category. But I will say that mm-hmm. I used a lot of that foundationally to move into poetry. And the community that I was in was heavily, heavily influenced by hip hop. So all of us were kind of mm-hmm. MCs, even though we were doing poetry. And so for me, the whole thing is really about rhyme. And it's about storytelling Mm. and it's about expression. And, you know, the first time that I remember, you know, being blown away by a response was I got into a battle and I was on stage and there was like 200 people there. I think I was like 14 or 15, maybe 16. My memory is really bad for the younger part of my life. But 
Um, I just remember I, we went back and forth two rounds, and the kid was like three years older than me, and I, I won. And just watching the response from the audience was so crazy. To think that I could affect them by just saying something that came out of my mind in the moment because I was freestyling. Mm. And then I remember, yeah, just watching the whole crowd throw their hands up and be like, oh, when I set a punchline. I mean, it was a a crazy experience, man. And then um, I also remember, you know, late in high school, I ended up uh, getting on stage. They had this, like, rap contest, which probably sounds corny at a high school, but it was actually awesome. And uh, the whole school was there, and I did this thing called the dragon song and this was this ridiculous creative song that i wrote and it was like a sing-songy mm-hmm. thing that i would do with a beatboxer and it was about being a knight uh you know way back in the days of of like you know dragons and you know goblins and i wrote this whole piece i think i had recently read the hobbit or something like that and i, I wanted to create like mm-hmm. a, a unique and creative story about this knight mm. who was trying to win over a princess. And it actually was really edgy. Mm. I added a lot of edgy shit in there about smoking weed and all sorts of stuff. And, uh, <laughs> and people loved it, man. They loved it. And watching this stupid, silly thing that I created, you know, and watching that many people respond. I mean, you know, probably over a thousand people, you know, was really, really cool. And then moving on, I mean, it's a long answer, but then moving on to you know, the Poetry Lounge and winning the national championships for poetry and being on HBO's Death Poetry Jam and uh, just watching how I could say things that I had thought, you know, about issues, you know, things that Mm. were meaningful to me about the world and watching people respond to that um, and say, hey, Mm. you're, you're saying the things that I haven't had the voice to express. Thank you. You know, that was hugely meaningful to me. When when you when you freestyle, um, you triggered two questions. When you freestyle and it's just like spontaneous, improvised, you have no idea what you're going to say, right? You haven't written the poem; it's just coming through. What does that What does that feel like inside you as the MC? What, what's the What's the inner experience, and where do you go? Where do you like? Tell me a bit about that for a moment, and then um, how can we tap into that opening that you experience when the channel is open. Um, I guess I'm going to say at will, you know, I don't know if, that, I don't know if that's realistic for me mm-hmm. to, to say, you, you correct me if I'm wrong, but is there a way to, to cultivate that at will where, you know, like, like when I, I go to write, I'm more of a, a speaker and a writer. And when I speak, mm-hmm. you know, in queue, I, I, I mean, I'm gone, you know? And so when I write, it's just, I'm gone, bro. I'm just like, I dissolve, you know. But when I write, I'm yeah. like, oh, shit, I have to write. It's too slow for me. And, and I wish I could just tap into it at will, but somehow I can't. And so, how can, how can, is, give me some tips. How do we tap into that at will? And, and so, first describe the feeling of like what, what, I'm just curious what it's like for you as an experience, you know, to be flowed, flowed through and then some, some strategies to at will it if it's possible. <laughs> Yeah, I think, um, I mean, it's a great question, and it, one I'm still asking myself, but, you know, I uh-huh. I used to freestyle when I was an MC. I don't st- freestyle as a poet, um, but I do mm-hmm. take some of the same techniques in terms of when I'm writing, I'm just slowing down the flow, but I, uh-huh. I still am, uh-huh. am in the flow, you know, and so... For for you or for anyone else who wants to figure out a way to outwill the flow or outwill not being in the flow, I don't know if outwill. I, I know why you would say that, but it it denote, it makes me think of struggle, and it's not about yeah. struggle. It's more about letting go, or it's about finding other activities that put you in the flow before you're sitting mm-hmm. down to write. So you know whatever that is that that gets you there. It's doing that, you know, as an appetizer to, to sitting down and writing because you'll keep that energy, you know, as a bridge into, into you know, sitting down and creating something solid. Um, 
for me, as long as I start in a place that's true, and this is why I said earlier, that's where my like poems that. come from, is paying attention, then mm-hmm. I can slow down the flow. But if I was to sit down, man, and I was to say, I need to write something yeah. great right now, that would be right. that would be exhausting, man. That's way too much pressure. I'd be holding on to it too tight. I would be suffocating the thing that I love. I mean, who the fuck mm. wants to have to sit down and do something great out of nothing? But if mm. I pay attention to my life and I say something in a conversation or someone says something to me and I say, wow, that's great. Can I steal that? You know, Ali Lerner, who both of us are friends with, you know, she had a yeah. line when we were in Bali and it mm. was, we were doing a retreat together and I was doing the poetry workshops and she was doing the yoga and the breath work. It was awesome, man. And in one of the yoga sessions, during the session, she said, there is nothing in life that you cannot breathe through except death. Mm. And I fucking love mm. that line. And I literally got mm. up from my yoga practice and I wrote it down. And I asked her, later, <laughs> I said, can I start a poem with that? And she said, um, yeah. So it, sometimes it comes from me. I'd say 75% yeah, yeah. of the time the first line comes from me. But 25% of the time, man, the first line comes from someone else that I'm in an interaction mm. with. And I ask them. I always ask for permission. I say, can I use this? Because it's true. Mm. And it, it doesn't yeah. matter if you create it or you hear it. If it resonates with you as the truth, then that will be the beginning mm. of the flow. And then, bro, mm. it doesn't even matter if I sit down three months from now. I'm starting in the mm. flow. Mm. Mm. I love that. But I love that you're, you're, you're talking about just paying attention, you know? I mean, rather than trying to just manufacture something, you're, you're really just the art of paying attention to what is and what's arising and what, yeah. and what, and what, what, what I'm really getting is what's true. Because I think when we start from what's true, not what we think should be true, or you know, right. what society tells us is true, we're already out of the flow in that moment. But when we're just doing what's true, at least what I'm getting from you is you can't not be in the flow because it's what's true for you. It's what's authentic, you know? And so exactly, I love I love that. And it's not, that. it's not only what's true. It's, as you're saying, what's true to you because it's your mm. voice. It's your life. Mm. It's the thing that resonates with you. And that thing that resonates with you, if you explore it, I promise you, it will resonate with other people. We are all going through the mm. same human experience together. We just have different circumstances and details. Mm. But mm. we all feel the same thing. You know, it's the same story. You know, so mm. I think um, I think that's yeah, that that's that's certainly it, and and um, and it's I something it. I that got, I, I love coming back to. I I will say one more thing that yeah, the only go. time that 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 I would say that it's important just to write on a um, almost like a technical wave is mm. when you're just putting in your hours. You know, I mean, mm. if, if you want to become a great anything you just have to put in your hours you know and Mm. and but you don't have to judge your hours so harshly just keep putting them in Mm. they fucking add up man they add up Mm. you know it it, Mm. you know all of a sudden you look back on on your life and you say wow i've i've become great at something if you put your time and energy into it and and so I think from a technical standpoint, yes, write as much as you possibly want. But from an inspiration standpoint, just pay attention. I love it. So I have, I want to ask you in a second to, to share a poem. I have one question before that kind of leading in. To share a poem, if you would, because um, there may be those right now who have dreams and visions, right? And they... They want to give up or they're, they're feeling discouraged in life in some way in terms of the way life has turned out, in terms of things not going according to plan, and maybe they just want to give up. So in a second, I want you to sh- just any, any, any poem that sort of inspires people to keep going. But this is a, kind of a technical question, 
I'm kind of curious about this. Maybe other people will. Maybe other people won't. But hey, I've got you here. I'm going to be selfish <laughs> for a moment. And, and but I've, I've seen you do po- poetry, and I've seen some of these other po- poets do poetry. But when I've seen you do poetry, I mean, bro, when you perform, it's like an hour, two hours, and 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 I'm thinking, you know, th- this isn't just necessarily free flowing, just talking. This is poems you've written that you have to remember. And yeah. I'm thinking, how, how the hell does he, do you remember all these poems at such a basically almost perfect level? You've got to remember the words and be in the moment and feel authentic and be dropped into feeling. And, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's different if you're just talking spontaneously, but to remember the poems and deliver the poems with heart, with love, in the flow, so it's felt like, do you, do you remember all those poems? Like, tell me a bit about that process, you know, and how you prepare for your performance. And, and, and how you hold the performance so that you can still be in the flow and remember the poems and deliver it. Like, tell me a bit about that aspect of things, now, once you've written the poems. Yeah, you know, um, a lot of people will come up to me afterwards and, you know, at shows or, and they really like, I mean, they're flabbergasted. <laughs> it's the only word I can mm-hmm. think of. You know, they're just like, how do you remember all of that stuff? Yeah, you know, because right. I think, you know, if we the book we just did, it's two and a half hours on the audio book. And I recorded mm. the whole thing. And I'm so proud of it, by the way. I mean, it, the audio book mm. is incredible. The, the book is incredible, too. It's a very different experience because we have 60 illustrations that were created by this amazing dude, Musta Sharik, in London, yeah. who has all of these like really, really dope images that bring you deeper into the poems and then to hold it in your hands and to read it slowly in your own voice. I mean, it's an awesome experience to have the book. And then also it's an awesome experience to have the audio book because there are different ways to consume the information, you know, and then that's in my voice and you hear all the different styles that I use or accents that I use Mm. or rhythms and, so I'm very, very proud of both of these things and really excited to give it away to the world. But uh, to get back to your mm. question, people ask me, like, they're like, how do you do it? Well, in the audio book, it's two and a half hours, man. I pretty much have the whole thing memorized. And I could Literally, start. Like, how? Yeah. Because, okay, so. That's a lot of content. So people think it's like this weird. Memorized. Yeah. I mean, yes. I mean, I could start, if I started doing poetry right now and I wove different poems together, I could literally mm. go for probably three and a half hours straight. I mean, no one mm. would want to hear that <laughs> and I wouldn't want to do that, <laughs> you know, not straight, right. but, uh, but I could. And, and so that's wild that I have that type of a memory. But in another way, it's very, very logical to me. It's not on some virtuoso shit. If you took any MC, you know, anyone, Nas, Jay-Z, anyone that you can think of, right, and you ask them to start rhyming their verses and cut out the choruses, a cappella, and all they needed was the beginning of the verse, you know what I mean? All they needed to memorize was Mm -hmm. where the next beginning of the verse started they could mm. go for hours and hours and hours. Dude, Nas has 12 albums memorized. So, I mean, wow. he's a genius of memorization. And all MCs are, and people don't give them the credit that they deserve for whatever reason. I mean, I, I can't speak on that, but, I mean, it's no different. You know, they, they could memorize hours and hours and hours of their rhymes. And it's cellular for them. You know, the rhymes are, are the guideline. They tell you where to go. And when you are writing it yourself and you're, you're memorizing through the rhymes, um, it becomes a, a part of you. It comes from you, it, but it yes. also becomes a part of you in a way that, that no other creative art form can, in my opinion. Got it. Amazing. Amazing. I can't wait to see you perform at some point again soon. It's been such a long time, so I'm excited about that. On April 3rd. When, when's your uh, show? April 3rd. Yeah, April 3rd in LA. I mean, we have one in San Fran and New York as well, but April 3rd in LA what, at the Palace. What and are if the you're in town, I would love to give you tickets. 
I'm com- I found that I'm coming. What are the dates in New York and San Fran, just so people who are in those locations can go check you out? Yeah, San Fran is dates? April 1st. Uh, yeah, April, April 1st. 1st. And uh, the New York show is March 28th. Um, the book uh-huh. comes out March 31st. So March 28th in New York, uh, the 1st um, in San Fran, April 1st, and then April 3rd in L.A. And they're all iconic theaters, like really, really beautiful. The Palace is a thousand. New York is seven hundred. Wow. So they're they're going to be really wow. special shows, man. I'm so excited. Amazing, amazing. So we talked about giving up, and I guess I want to answer the question first, then then share the poem. It, it you know, I, I can only imagine, and correct me if I'm wrong, that uh, the path of you know the artistic path is hard. You know, whether you're an actor, whether you're a writer, whether you're a poet, whether you're something, the creative path is not necessarily an easy path. Um, and I can imagine you probably went through some challenges in the last, you know, 15 years or so. And I'm wondering if you ever felt like giving up. Where maybe you felt like, wow, this is hard. Am I gonna? This is challenging. You know, can I make it? Will it happen? Will I survive? And uh, Obviously, you know, you're, you're very successful in terms of poetry and art, artistry and creation. And so what kept you going when you felt like giving up? And tell me about that time. Then I want you to show a poem. Yeah, you know, uh, I mean, I I went to college for a year at San Francisco State. And then I, I came back and went to uh, Santa Monica College for literally five minutes. And then, uh, you know, dropped out and and decided to pursue art full time. And and so I was 18 or 19 at that point. And I had been, you know, serious about uh, my rhymes and and finding a way to to express them in the world since, you know, I was probably 15. And I didn't make any money, man, until I was past 30. You know, so wow. that that was a wow. lot of a lot of years of struggling, man, of of not really wow. like knowing where my rent was going to come from. Sometimes I had inner in a room period jobs, you know, where I could make just enough to, you know, get by and stuff like that. But I, I never had like any jobs that were bringing me in, you know, real money or anything like that. And and then even after I decided to be a full time poet, which I think I was like 26 you know, how the fuck is a poet going to make a living? You know, we were really surrounded, exactly. all of us. Yeah. yeah, we, you know, I would, I would do college shows and just, just enough to get by, man, really for many, many years. And, uh, mm. and during that time, I thought about quitting countless moments. I, yeah. I could, you know, think back on, they all blend together, but I was wondering what I was doing or where I was going, but for me, this wasn't something I chose. It really chose me. And I, I don't mean that to sound mm. corny. I, I, I was I know what obsessed. You, mean. you know, and I, I can't even speak to you about why. You know, I was, I was raised in Santa Monica. My mom's a school teacher. My dad wasn't around. Uh, you know, mm. I'm sure there's a lot there in terms about me looking outside of myself for what my masculinity should be or externalizing validation or whatever. But mm. once I found, you know, writing and performing, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. you know, that was it, man. And I, I've put in 25,000 hours, I'm sure, you know. Mm. And, and so uh, when I was like 30, 31, I did a show in Los Angeles. And one of my mentors mm. came, his name is Ross Hogarth. And he was nice enough to set me up with a meeting with a production team and uh, amazing writing uh, duo called Rock Mafia, uh, Tim James and mm-hmm. Antonina Armada, and they are out of um, they're out of a, a studio in Santa Monica or a, a number of studios now, and uh, they they came to the show and they liked my stuff and set up a meeting and um, I ended up getting an opportunity to get a publishing deal with them and start writing songs for oh, wow. artists. Wow, and, wow, and uh, that was the first time that I had. A financial foundation, you know, was I got some songs mm-hmm. with Miley Cyrus and Selena Gomez and a lot of Disney stuff, and then ultimately was able to work with people that I was listening to at the time, Foster the People and Aloe Black, who I was friends with, and mm-hmm. um, I was really lucky, man, and, and that financial foundation allowed me to 
go back to my poetry with more mm. freedom and confidence. And mm. I would say also that artistically, you know, I know this is a long answer, but, you know, all of it's kind no, of I love up it. and out. So. I love it. You know, artistically, uh, being at Rock Mafia was one of the best things that ever happened to me because I was forced to write outside of my comfort zone. You know, I didn't even listen oh. to pop music. You know, I didn't know mm. what it was supposed to sound like or, you know, and so for me to have to imagine someone else's experience and write from that standpoint, you know, was a real mm. gift. And for me to write in a round way, the syllables have to be round. There's so much less information that can go into a song than goes into a poem, which is more choppy and yeah. rhythmic. I had to write yeah. in this new way. And then when I went back to writing for myself, I had new tools in my toolbox. Mm. And that's the mm. thing is no matter what art you explore, it will always help every art that you do. You know, it's like mm. learning a new tool in life. It helps every area of your life. So that was a, mm. a real big deal for me, man. And, and then I was able to consciously get back into my poetry. And I met my manager, Kevin Hackmed, and slowly started to build a business around it. Now we have this book, Inquire Within, that's coming out with HarperCollins. And, you know, I travel around love the it. country and the world performing and doing workshops. And I love poetry because I think poetry makes people feel less alone and it inspires empathy, and I think empathy is what the world needs most right now. Yeah, I love it. I have so, I have so much, uh, aside from the fact that I consider you a friend and brother, I have so much respect for you pursuing your path, you know, relentlessly, obsessively. It's something I can relate to, you know, an uncommon path, right? And, and mm -hmm. sticking to it, whether you made money, whether you didn't make money, because it was it was authentic to you, and out of that uh, truth, out of your own truth, out of your own heart, out of your own not like just compromising you, something has blossomed, you know, in terms of a business and you know a, abundance and sharing with the world and a book, and so it's really really inspiring, really inspiring. But what what, what why did you not give up? That's what I'm curious about. Like, like well, obviously you loved it. Was it was it just the love? I mean, because a lot of people look, a lot of people love things, and yet it's just too hard, man. Or, or they're just, you know, they, they're tired of paycheck to paycheck for a decade. And like, why did you not just throw in the towel and say, I mean, how do I make it as a poet? This is this is hard. And uh, you kept going. So I'm sure you've seen people that came up with you that gave up. And why did you not give up? Like, deep down. Yeah, I would say many, many gave up and then many just moved on. You know, I mean, that's mm -hmm. kind of what we were talking about earlier is, is that your your identity is your ideology sometimes and vice versa. And that, you know, sometimes people hold on to something that they wanted at one point in their life and they don't even realize they don't want that anymore. You know, so yeah. your priorities yeah. change, who you are changes. And if you're like aware of that, then you can change relatively in real time so that you're not five years late to, you know, trying to do something that you don't even want to do anymore. Um, right. But for me, for me specifically, uh, I would say that, that if I'm being honest with you, the, the, there's the fairy tale version of it and then there's the reality version of it. And the reality version of it was me in the fucking trenches, man. And I was yeah. not healthy for a long time, man. I had a lot, a lot of oh. issues that were internal and external. And oh. I think that, you know, my behavior was kind of all over the map. And I think in many ways, oh. you know, poetry was my outlet. And, uh, you know, I don't, I don't want to be, like, overly dramatic, but I think it saved my life, you know, in many ways. It gave yeah. me yeah. – it gave me a way to – get these stories outside of myself, you know, get my crazy outside mm -hmm. of myself. And, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and I was just operating from this standpoint of almost need, you know, and I'll mm -hmm. tell you a story, man, that, that helps to, yeah. uh, it's like an anecdote, I guess, based on what you were saying there. And I actually write about this in the book too. There was, um, there was this one time where I basically like, I had a breakup with a girl and I was like going through whatever I was going through, but I was pretty sad about it, you know? 
And I was like, I'm going to go home and I'm going to write a breakup poem, you know? So I like go to my house and I like remember sitting down and I, right before I started to write this poem, I was like, you know, let me read over all of my old breakup poems first. And I'm embarrassed to admit there were nine of them. <laughs> okay. It wasn't nine women. It wasn't nine different women, but it was nine different poems. So I'm, I sit there in my little dimly lit apartment, and I read these nine poems in a row, out loud, you know, without stopping. And it was almost like yeah. 35 minutes of material about relationships that hadn't worked out. <laughs> uh. When I finished, I, like, sat there, and I had this realization. And, and, you know, it was that all of the old breakup poems were applicable to my current breakup. Mm. and that I mm. didn't need to write a new breakup poem. I needed to figure out mm. why I was continuing to create the same lesson in a different disguise over and over again. Yeah. And yeah. That, that was a big thing for me, man. And I kind of realized that the fuel source that I was using for my poetry at that point was unsustainable. Mm. I was exploring mm. a lot of my negativity and my pain without alchemizing it. And mm. so what was happening is, it was almost perpetuating this negative life that I didn't want to live. And there's a difference yeah, between exploring the pain, which is super important and necessary, and feeling the pain, which is super important and necessary. Mm -hmm. I'm not like a proponent of like everything is positive all the time, nothing's negative. I don't, I don't live like that. I think it's bullshit, and I think you – basically mm -hmm. like suppress it and it becomes something else. It becomes disease or you attack someone in traffic. So I don't believe in any of that shit. But what I do think is, is that you have to explore all of your feelings, positive and negative, but you can't perpetuate it or victimize yourself. You have to find mm -hmm. a way to get to hope and to empower your own life so that you're not just retelling the same fucked up story. You yeah. know, and I was Absolutely. doing that through my art, bro. So even though mm. it was, a positive outlet and I was learning all of these things from all of these techniques and these hours I was putting in, ultimately I was doing a disservice to myself and my audience. So now yes. I still always explore my negativity. I love to put my negativity into my poems, but I don't leave you there. And I don't victimize mm. myself to my life, man. Nothing I do is a fucking obligation. Mm. It's all a choice. Mm. Mm. I love it. I love it. And, and, and then you don't, from what I mean, almost you don't need to keep even consciously or unconsciously recreating shit in your life in order to, cre to keep creating in the art as well. Because I, I know there's, there's some folks, at least I know, that it's almost like they need the, the pain and the drama to feed off to fuel their creation. And so that's beautiful. Yeah, but, 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 but the pain and drama is going to come on a random Wednesday. I mean, look at what's happening with the coronavirus mm. right now. I mean, we, we don't have to be the architects of our own pain and drama. Life will provide. Hmm. <laughs> you know? It's yeah. like... Yeah. That's for sure. That's for sure. Explore the pain, feel it, but don't simply be a victim to it or wallow in it. That's really what I'm getting. And folks, hope you're hearing that, man. I'm with Inq, author of Inquire Within. Definitely, this is a book you want to get. Um, Inq, man, I... I, I I, I, I think it's that time you dropped a poem on us. We've been waiting. Whatever you feel, man. Yeah. Just, you know, inspire, inspire. I, I've like one or maybe one or two more questions for you just to kind of begin winding down. But if there's a poem straight from your soul that you want to just drop on us to take us, take us to infinity somewhere, wherever you want to take us, we're ready for it. Okay. This is called Learn Fear. Learned fear can be overcome when you realize the voice inside your head is not yours. It's an imitation of the voices from before repeating on a loop inside your quiet core, receiving since your youth when your choices weren't even yours, perceiving was the proof, but reality has many doors, so why are we still fighting other people's wars? Mm. Learned fear can be overcome when you realize the voice inside your head is not yours. 
It's an imitation of the voices from before, repeating, repeating, repeating on a loop inside your quiet core, and you can't tell the difference because it sounds the same. But trust me when I tell you most of what you think is from somebody else's brain. They have us trained, shackled by imaginary chains, imaginary rules for imaginary games. But they don't know the reasons either. So where should we place the blame? And who is they anyway when we're all the same? Our parents had parents, and their parents had parents. Apparently, it hurts to see, so I'll be transparent. The world is so much bigger than your insecurities. And they don't speak on your behalf without your soul's authority. The world is so much bigger than your culture or community, and they don't speak on your behalf without your soul's authority. Because if it's all a story, then nobody else can tell it for me. Since I'm always transforming, I defy a category when you do the same thing, the same way, it's habit forming. But nothing in this land of woman and man is mandatory. It's all just transitory. Our world's a laboratory. Experimenting on today can change tomorrow morning. And since matter is mostly empty space, we're in a sea of consciousness where the boundaries are erased. So I stared at my reflection until I couldn't see my face. Then I picked myself and put the flowers in an empty vase. If you came for validation, then you're in the wrong place. The only certain satisfaction is becoming what you chased. And there's no running from the inner voice. So it's important that you choose. But it's more important that you know you have a choice. You have a choice. Are you living someone else's life? You have a voice. Does it haunt you in the dead of night? Would you fly if you weren't convinced to be afraid of heights? And who convinced you anyway? They had no fucking right. Right? No one can dim your light. You shine within so bright that you could blind the sun from sight and scare him back into the night. No one can dim your light. I've said it twice because you're greater than the circumstances that surround your perfect life. You're not your nature or your nurture. You're a prototype. And if you hone it right, eventually you'll hack your satellite. A little to the left, a little to the right, just right. At first, it's nothing. Then nothing turns into a whisper. Turn the dial and it gets crisper in your transistor. Wait a while and the whisper turns into a scream. It overwhelms your system and you won't know what it means. But pump the volume up and it can tell you all your dreams. So pretty soon, it's the only voice you'll ever need. Now all you have to do is listen when you want to lead. Your fear disintegrates when you decide to stop and breathe. It's your authentic voice. No matter where you go, it never leaves. And that's God, no matter what religion you believe. I'm starting my own religion. And everyone is welcome. But nobody can join. If you did, you'd miss the point. Damn. Just letting that one in, bro. Wow. Wow. Oof. Feeling that in Thanks, my man. bones. Feeling that in Thank my you. bones. Wow. Folks, that's a that that's a poem. That is a poem from the soul. Thank you, brother, man. That, that's uh, really moving, moving how poetry you, and just expression from from one's soul literally, you know, it's like it, it uh, activates others. And uh, I'm feeling the activation, bro. Thank you so much for sharing that. I'm so glad you shared your gift, bro. I'm so glad you persevered. I'm so glad you went through everything you've been through because it's gotten you to this point. And... Uh, I know your journey is just beginning, man. Your journey is just beginning. Listen, I could talk to you forever. 
Um, I just want to wrap up. If there's, you know, look, I'd like to wrap up with a final question. If there were, you've shared a lot today, but if there were, let's say, real simple, three of the most important life lessons you've learned, if we were to distill them and pass these on to the next generation, those listening in. Well, thank you for saying that, man. I, I really I appreciate everything you said, man. And I appreciate, by the way, yeah. you just in general for sharing me with your audience because, you know, I mean, you've worked to create a relationship with your audience and they, they trust you, man. And so for you to introduce me to them, that's that's awesome, man. And I, I just want to say how much I appreciate it out loud. Um, can I say one thing? Because it's it's really, sure. it ties into the book and it's it's really... Sure. Uh, ultimately, Go for the it. philosophy behind the the inquire within. You know, when you when you look at the cover of the book, it's um it's a tree, and then it's the roots, and the mm. roots and the branches are mirrors. And when you turn it to the side, it looks like lungs. And there's two parts to the book. It's inhale, and exhale. And inhale is the personal poems and exhale is the social and, and political ones. And it's, you know, change yourself and change the world. But the reason that we called it Inquire Within in general is because, you know, since I don't strategize my inspiration, collecting all of these poems that I've written for 25 years, I mean, into one place, allowed me to see what I've been trying to say all of these years. And this yeah, is an oversimplified nice. version of it, but... It's basically that, that consumerism is constantly trying to take from us. And this is the one lesson I would like to give away if I could. It, it, consumerism is taking our likes, man. It's taking our fucking love. It's taking our money. It's taking our time, which we can't make more of. It's taking our attention. It's taking our information these days. You know, and it's, everything is externalizing our validation. We are literally trained to look outside of ourselves for the answers. So if I don't know something, what do I do? I look on Google or I, you know, go on YouTube or something like that. And technology is this amazing tool that has connected the world in a way that nothing ever has for humanity. You know, it's like the breeding ground for telepathy. And it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. But it simultaneously isolated people in a way that nothing else has. And they're disconnected from their communities and they're disconnected from their own voices. And they can't hear themselves think. And so there's this thing, you know, it's like these amazing tools that we have are awesome, but there's a difference between using these tools and having these tools use us. Yes. And so what I would suggest to anyone who's out there that's listening, you know, if you have something that's going on in your life that you can't figure out right now, and I'm talking to myself first, by the way, all of my poems, mm -hmm. I'm talking to myself. But if you have something that you can't figure out, look, you can always consult a coach. That's amazing. You know, you can listen to the podcast or you could, you know, go to a, a, a live event that has something to do with the thing you're trying to work out. You can always find ways to get the answer. You can call a friend. But I would also suggest just being alone and just like being in nature and uh, allowing all of the noise to quiet down so you can hear that one true voice that's inside of you because that is the voice that is your true north and that will tell you your passion, it will tell you your purpose, and no one else can tell you what that voice is. And that's why the book is Inquire Within, because I had to inquire within myself to find that. I hope that people inquire within the pages to read it and that they have to inquire within themselves to find the answers. I don't have the answers. Amazing. I just have my experience and my questions. And I hope that this book is a window into other people hearing their own voice truly. I love it. I love it. Bro, I want to thank you, man. That was beautiful. Thank you for Thank you for just sharing yourself, brother. Thank you for just being so generous with everybody listening in. Uh, inquire Within, folks. Go check out this book. I can't wait to read my copy. I know it's going to be uh, going to be just soul expanding and inspiring. So check out the book Inquire Within from your local bookstores. Go to Amazon also online. I'm sure it's available everywhere. In Q, amazing poet, amazing human. Uh, uh, bro, what's the best way also people can find out about your work? What's the best website? 
Yeah, so it's my website is ion-q.com. And, uh, and then if you get the book, you know, tag me on at NQ Life on social media. Let me know what you think of the book. Uh, I would love to hear from you. Awesome, bro. Thank you, brother, for Thank coming Thank you on. so much, Kud. I really appreciate we, we, your time and, and who you are in the world, brother. My pleasure. Folks, we're going to post uh, all of NQ stuff, links to his website and book and all of that good stuff. Inquire Within will be just check out the show notes. You'll see it there. I would love to hear from you. Email me, kublaxon at kublaxon.com. I would love to know your key takeaways from this amazing episode with NQ, author of Inquire Within. Uh, share this with your friends. Download this uh, episode. Post on social media. Let me know. Let me know how, uh, how you find the Inquire, Inquire Within book as well. Sending you much love, everyone. Big hugs. Catch you in the next episode. If you've enjoyed this episode of Soul Talk, please do share the podcast with all of your friends. Let everyone know and make sure you download Soul Talk today. I'm looking forward to next week where I'll get to share more inspiration with you. Meanwhile, follow me on Facebook, Instagram, or social media. You can find out more about my work at www.cooplaxon.com. If you feel ready to take your life to the next level, join me at my exclusive event in Bali, www.boundlessblissbali.com, where you can find out more and apply. Also, make sure to remember to download my free two-part video training series and learn the ultimate secrets to happiness and fulfillment at coopblackson.com. Sending you all big hugs and love now.